Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm excited to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes, and we have a great show planned for you today. Play Up Sportsbook presents the Phil Nason Show. Head on over, sign up for an account, and find out why Play Up is always your best bet. That's playup.com. I have a great show planned for you. Like I said before, we're going to talk NBA again this week. But we're going to do it in a different way. And Clive Bixby is here to help me. Please welcome him to the show. What's happening, dude? Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, me too. So um, tell us all about how you became a sports handicapper, better, and how you uh, do your thing. What got you there? Uh, I'd say my journey into just games and wagering probably started you know, when I was in, even in college. Um, so poker was the big fascination back then. Um, there have been a couple of stages in my life where, you know, poker was my only source of income. Uh, and you know, I, I've just always loved games. I've loved trying to figure them out and trying to, uh, have an advantage and sports betting was something that I've always been interested in interested in and following along like I made my own minds for you know NFL and would talk back and forth to my friends and you know kind of give them picks and things like that at least what I thought but I never got into it seriously for myself until COVID hit a lot more time at home um started listening to a few podcasts uh started off with Spanky's podcast uh Be Better Betters and you know I'm like all right let me look into this a little bit more I think this is something that I could take seriously if I dedicate some time to it and you know just been fortunate enough to pick it up not quickly I mean by no means am I you know crushing anything or you know printing money I'm not living you know an extravagant lifestyle or anything off of it but I I've been able to find a little bit of success so I'm grateful for that yeah, you have. You know, Spanky has a great podcast. Fantastic. I listened to like four episodes in a row on a plane to Vegas a few weeks ago. End up getting a book because of it. So it's fantastic. But your journey, now you don't just do NBA. You also do the NFL, right? Uh, yeah. So I, I tend to only focus on one sport at a time. Um, I have a hard time with the other commitments I have in life, you know, doing multiple sports, at least incredibly seriously. So the, the way that it kind of works is NBA is probably my first and foremost focus. Uh, once that kind of ends, gets into playoffs, then I pick up the MLB, um, mostly totals there. And then once college football starts in NFL, then I shift over to that. So I would say that that's kind of the order of, of, of how I do things, but mostly focusing on one sport at a time. 
Well, and that's great. I do multiple sports, as you know. It's it's a different issue. It's smart, though, that you do it the way you do because you have to have time to a lot for each sport. I mean, it takes a while to handicap a game, right? It does. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat when it comes to winning at sports betting. Um, but if, at least in my experience, for me, if I'm not specializing – I'm kind of cutting into my edge a little bit and I'm not necessarily getting the return on, on time that, that I like to get. So I know ROI is a big, big thing. Um, but I, I try and maximize what I'm getting for my time because I, this isn't all I want to do either. You know, I love golf and do other things like that. So, um, I try to maximize and be as efficient as I can. And maybe that gives up a little bit of, of dollars in the long run, but keeps me a little happier. Well, it will. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. You know, one of the things uh, you say you're you're good at a lot of these things, and you are. But the thing that uh, I found from you was how transparent you are, and, and that's huh. something I try to do the same thing. I've been since I was writing fantasy baseball articles. You know, I always admitted my losses and whatever because people bank on what I say. They're not going to believe me if I only give out winners. But you. You take you took it to another level, and <laughs> you're the reason why I, I signed up with Betstamp. Yeah, I mean, what it it really is a great platform, um, and and part of my transparency and my I guess my quest for transparency has been a couple of different stages, you know, life events. But you know, I noticed when I was getting into poker and trying to learn that environment. Um, there were a lot of people that were falsifying records there. They had different software packages that would track all of your hand histories, but there was ability to, um, to delete and, and modify and, and kind of cherry pick what you were counting there. So if somebody was showing a graph of their performance, you didn't know if you were getting just a small section of when they might have been running hot. You don't know if it could have been somebody else's play. You don't know if it was, um, you know, manipulated in some way. And, and you hear or you hear stories about people on Twitter, and there are people that not only manipulate their records, but there are people that really cherry pick. And I thought that was always so shady. And just be what you are. And if you you have a losing you know, you have a losing month, say it. I got crushed in December. Worst month I've ever had betting, whether it be poker or, or sports betting. And it was what it was. It happened. And I tried to learn as much as I could from it and move on. I mean, just be, be real with the people. And that's why I think bet, bet stamp is such a good tool. For a lot of reasons. You know, the best mm -hmm. one is, is you can't just uh, wipe out your picks. You can't erase anything once the game is over or even during the game. The great thing about it, too, for me is because I have so many different people that come on this show and make picks. Mm -hmm. They have a tag section where you can actually tag, like, say, for example, Clive made this pick or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because what I was coming to find out is that I would go against my guest and, and I'd have these two picks up there. People say, well, you're playing both sides against the uh, so you don't miss. I said, no, I'm not. John picked this and I picked this. And that's why Betstamp is here, to track our picks. But yep. the tagging feature made it so much easier. But the other thing that I started using Betstamp for was a way to watch the line movements at several sports books. Yeah, and one of the things 
for anybody that's been following me for for a little bit, I, I think they know that I I am a huge proponent of CLV. I do not think it's the only thing. Um, depending on the market that you're betting in, it's it can be more important than others. I mean, you know, props with CLV not the same as if you're betting sides on the NBA. And uh, you know, I think if you're consistently betting and the market is moving against you. Even if you're having a good short-term stretch, odds are you're not a long-term winner. Um, and, and you hear people say all you have to do is, you know, pick the winner. That's probably not the best approach. I mean, it takes a long, long sample of games to try and figure out truly what an ROI should look like. And you know, that's fluid in and of itself too. Um, but BetStamp, you know, gives you the ability to shop through a bunch of different books and and take the best line, which you should be doing. Why would you pay a price more for a game than you have to? You know, if a three and a half is out there, why would you only take a three? Doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, and they're pretty good with being real time there in terms of, you know, their line feeds. They're, it, it's, it's been a great tool for me. And it, it calculates the CLV for you. You don't have to, you know, do it yourself in your own kind of, you know, whether it be an Excel workbook or something like that. And it tells, you know, the people that are following you how often you're beating the market. Well, that's just it. And you can go back to day one with with whoever you follow and you can see, oh, they got the Cavs game that day. Good. Oh, they missed the Celtics game or whatever. You can go right back to what you picked at any point from the time you began with BetStamp. And that's a great tool. The other thing that I like about it, too, is that, you know, we can actually sell picks if we want through mm-hmm. there. Now, I have my own website and whatever, but some people don't. And it's a fantastic all-around tool for so many things. And getting back to the CLV thing, we talked about this a lot on the show, a lot. And one of the things I say to people, I say, now, let's pretend you're in a grocery store. And you walk over to the dairy counter, the dairy section, and you see the Dunkin' Donuts uh, mix for uh, coffee, the coffee creamer, and it's four ninety nine. Now you paid three ninety nine for that two weeks ago. Why is the difference? Oh, well, you're, are you going to spend the extra buck, or are you going to go look for it somewhere else? And, and that's really what you're doing when you're sports betting: is you're always looking for the best buy. And paying for what you you're willing to pay for a certain product, in this case the NBA or whatever. Yeah, and so, I know I was a little simplistic there, but <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not. I would say you're you're. It, it's a good way to explain it. I mean, the other thing to think about too is the way that the market fluctuates. So if you have a position that you want to take, but you think. I think the market's going to move in a direction. Say you, you maybe know something, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm now maybe I'm getting simplistic. Um, let's say you you have an idea about a team that's going to play a certain way, and the market's not really accounting for it, but the market really likes a team, and it keeps moving in a direction against your pick. If you have an idea that that's where you think the market's going to go, let it keep going that way and get the price that you want. Now, I would not in any way, shape, or form recommend often, you know, not respecting the market. But think about the when you want to bet to, um, not just the where. And if you could put those two things together, you can really 
figure out the ways to get the best price and, and try and maybe turn what would be a break-even player winning 52 to 53% to maybe winning 54, 55. Um, those half a points really can add up over the long run. Well, they certainly do. And, and that's every sports better that I've ever met professional-wise says basically the same thing. You know, okay, maybe it only matters 10 to 15% of the time, but that's a huge chunk of change that you're letting out. There, are, I've seen people out there who make pretty decent arguments against it, and that's fair. But when I signed up with BetStamp, it showed me where I was losing. And I took a screenshot and sent it to a buddy of mine. I said, look at this. You say CLV doesn't mean anything. I said, I just basically made an extra three units this month by beating the closing line. I said, three units is a lot. If you're an prof- amateur better or just having fun, three units, maybe it doesn't mean so much, but an extra, if you're playing at 100 bucks a unit, that's an extra $300. That's three more bets you have. Mm-hmm. And then you know, as you start to build your bankroll, your unit size can increase. If you're consistently a break-even player, let's say, you're never going to be able to increase your bankroll, and you're not going to be able to you know, have that growth that you might want. So, I mean, to me, that's everything. And while, yes, there are people with very low CLV that um, that play in certain markets and, and win at a nice ROI, you know, 5 7 8%, sure, that exists. But I don't see many people where they have negative CLV and they're winning. So they might not have huge CLV numbers like some of the top people on BetStamp have, but they're not losing to the market. They're not, the market's not consistently moving against them. And I think that's important to note. And I agree with you completely. Now we have the NBA and mm-hmm. like you said, you had a tough couple months there. I did too. Yeah. And it was more for me, actually I was losing more in college than I was losing on the NBA. Okay. Um, so that was a, a very rough December. Um, but it happens and I'm completely cognizant that September, October, November, I ran a little hot on college football. So, I mean, in the long run, I think most of that stuff evens out. If you are consistently beating the market, I think, you know, you will see profit. And, you know, that was just my end of variance. And it helped me. It forced me to kind of look into my process a little bit and say, all right, well, how can I make this a little bit better, a little bit more efficient? Um, I'm still beating the market, which is great. But, you know, can I do it a little bit more? Can I find another game or another opportunity, you know, each day to, to help, uh, you know, continue to grow. And you have, and you can, everyone, you can go over to BetStamp and and see what Clive does on a daily basis. And and that's a fantastic thing. Why do you think it's so, was so tough? So many people struggled with the NBA this season that never did like Mm -hmm. yours truly. And, uh, what did you find so difficult or what have you found so difficult about handicapping NBA games during the first half of the season? So two major events that I look at um, that I think definitely did not go according to plan. There was the first stage of the season where kind of these ticky tack calls where people were, you know, like the Chris Pauls and James Harden's were, and Trey Young's were jumping into people to try and draw fouls. Um, 
those weren't happening anymore. Those weren't getting called. So you saw the offensive efficiency be, I think, a little bit less than what everyone expected. And you saw a ton of unders in the beginning, you know, portion of the season. Eventually that kind of evened out and that, um, you know, hit an equilibrium. They're still not calling that anywhere near as much, but uh, they were very, um, I guess the, maybe the rest were very stingy. Um, so that was probably maybe the first month of the season. Uh, then around mid-December, where that next wave of COVID hit, you also had a ton of like replacement-level players, like people coming out of retirement for years, like the Lance Stevensons of the world, like coming back and playing <laughs> again in the NBA, uh, which how crazy is that? Picking um, up checks, though. <laughs> yeah, um, and good for them. I mean, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So there was that. There was the unknown of who was going to play night in and night out. Um, so if you are somebody that bets earlier in the day, um, you know, if you're trying to bet early lines, and, and that's another thing to think about too um, when you're looking at what your betting strategy should be. Uh, I am not somebody that's betting ten grand a game. I, again, I'm transparent. Um, so I'd rather try to get the best edge that I can on the closing line and get the most value. So I tend to bet in the mornings, somewhere between 9 a.m. And, and, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's when I tend to bet. Um, but it becomes harder and harder to do that when there's so much uh, fragility to the NBA lineup. You don't know what was going to happen. Um, so I, I think those two things, those were two events in a single season that were very disruptive. They were extremely disruptive. You know, it's one thing. It's very difficult to predict a winner in a sporting event for a multitude of reasons. But And that's the first thing you had to do. Second thing you had to try to do was figure out who was playing. And that was even more difficult. And the NBA website, and, and I've been in media for a long time, and I still have my pass, my credentials. And so what I have access to the NBA site for media. And those injuries are supposed to be there by 5 o'clock p.m. the day before. Any kind of injuries. The day before a game or 1 p.m. the day of the game if it's the second game of a back-to-back. It's just the way it's supposed to be. And they weren't bringing those out in a forthright manner. They still aren't. And that's something that is, is kind of troubling to me, to say the least. The other thing that got me, too, was when I would try to live bet. And I would see players leaving at halftime and not coming back. It's because they tested positive for COVID. Mm -hmm. And that made it tough, too. And I was like, you know what? It's time to take a pass for a couple of days. I'll, I'll just do college basketball. I'm doing okay there. I'm doing much better in the NFL. I'll just worry about that. I'm looking forward to the second half of the season, though, because I feel like it's a fresh start. It is. And I'm going to be interested to see if the dynamics um – change at all as we get to this this playoff race you have some of those playing games and you have the teams fighting to try and get towards that six seed if they can so that they don't have to deal with that i'll be very interested to see how those teams in contention play versus how the teams like your pistons the magic you know the trailblazers teams that are probably for all intents and purposes mailing it in uh you know let's see how they play are they going to play fast and loose and, and you know not really play a lot of defense and, and, and put up some big numbers and totals? Maybe. Uh, maybe not. So it's it's one of those things to try and figure out when you're handicapping. You know, what's what's different now than what has led to the statistics and the results that have led up to this point? 
And that's a good point, too. We also have the buyout period. We haven't really seen that yet, that dramatically. Mm -hmm. So that's going to influence teams and how teams play. And the integration of those players into these rotations, that's also going to be very interesting to me. I may not do any NBA for a couple more days. I want to look and see. I want to see what Brooklyn looks like with uh, their team healthy, with Durant, with Simmons. Now they brought in Dragic. Maybe Kyrie can play home games. and Because there's a lot of folks that have written the Nets off. I'm not a Nets fan. I'm a Knicks fan. So, <laughs> you know, I, and I tell people I'm 57 years old. And I've only seen them have really four good seasons. The two in the ABA with Dr. J. And, and the couple seasons there with Jason Kidd and, and those guys. I said, otherwise, I don't pay attention to them. Because I'm a Knicks fan, right? That's what I'm supposed to be. Yeah, you're not going to like that I'm a Bulls fan then. No, I don't mind that at all. <laughs> Honestly, I that part, that stuff doesn't bother me at all because the Bulls, they played a different kind of basketball. My friend Anthony Mason used to tell me, he goes, man, play against those guys. Man, them damn Pistons. They toughen them kids up. Now, now we can't intimidate them. <laughs> so, yeah. I But I love the, I loved the NBA still. But I'm still interested in, in kind of maybe taking a couple days. Now, what have you learned from the NBA season that you're going to take over to the second half? Some teams have kind of changed their identities a little bit as, as injuries have have picked up. And the Bulls, Bulls are one of those teams. So the Bulls, I think, had when um, Lonzo Ball and Caruso were playing a lot of minutes, I feel like they had a pretty strong defensive identity. Um, now that their starting lineup has kind of morphed a little bit, they're playing with a lot more um, offensive efficiency and a lot less defensive efficiency. So they're playing a much different game. So they're a team that I'm looking at from a totals perspective. So that was one of the bets that I made today, uh, earlier on today against the Hawks. Um, I got them for over 235. That line has moved up to, let's see if I... Probably it's around, depending on what book you look at, it's either 239 and a half or up to 240 and a half. So depending on where you're looking. So that one moved nicely. Um, the other thing that I'd be interested in is seeing how Minnesota plays. Um, they got on a nice, nice run right before the break, and they were playing some good offensive basketball. But it was also against some very poor defensive teams. So are they going to be able to continue that level of, of output or was it really just a function of, you know, playing those, we'll call them softer defenses um, in terms of performance, not in terms of physicality. So are they going to be able to continue to put up 120 a game? I'm thinking that they're not. Uh, so that's another, those are two teams that I'd be looking at for sure. Um, the Lakers are an interesting team for me and Golden State are an interesting team too from a, a sides perspective. And I'm going to be very curious to see um, if Golden State can start to ramp things back up and if the Lakers can kind of turn around their season. I don't know if they will or they won't, but those are two teams that I'm kind of watching just that, to see. Yeah. That could be that could be interesting too for the Lakers, I think. You know, LeBron probably doesn't want to miss the playoffs. No. I, I'm, I don't think I'm so. sure he doesn't. Yeah. The team I'm looking at is the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
You know, they had a great first half of the season. It exceeded everyone's expectations. And they covered a lot, both mm-hmm. on the road and at home. And I'm wondering if they're going to be able to continue that, to keep that up. I know Kevin Love has been a big part of that, but he hasn't played a full season in a long time. And, and I'm wondering if the, it, as the season drags on, I know there's only 20-some games left, is he going to be able to continue that momentum? Will the Cavaliers stay healthy? They've got Darius Garland with a bad back. Levert now ha- is out with a foot issue. Will they mm-hmm. be? Will those two? What's going to happen with them? And now apparently Colin Sexton might return in April. So we have some interesting things happening there in Cleveland, and I'm going to keep an eye on that one for sure. Um, the other thing too is these totals, like you just mentioned. The last week of the regular before the All Star break, those numbers were horrifically high, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that trend continues if the lack of defense continues did you see that last week and how much how high those numbers were i did um and i find it very uh i I find it a good spot for certain opportunities um because there comes a point where a team does become overvalued uh one of the teams that i think has maybe change their identity from a a horrible, horrible defensive team and a huge up-tempo offensive team is Charlotte. Um, And I'm trying to remember who they were playing last week. I want to say it was Minnesota where the total was around 246. I was like, this is way too high. Um, This is, and and the only reason that they hit that game was because that game went to overtime. So I think there'll be some opportunities there where some of these totals, like you're mentioning, get a little too inflated. And, um, you know, you start to see a little bit of a correction. But then again, uh, today I'm on three over, so what do I know? (laughs) Because you're carrying on the trend, but you'll learn from that if you miss. That's for sure. Now, betting tips. We like to get people to give them out. We do that here often. What do you have? Do you have any um, tips for, like, the guy who struggled? It's his first NBA season. He struggled a bit. And it's the second half, and he doesn't want to continue struggling. How, what, what could you tell someone like that that might help them? So, firstly, if they're not already, I'd say you know make sure you're respecting the market. Um, I would start there. And if you're making all of your bets right before tip off, and you're not betting thousands upon thousands of dollars, you're making a mistake. So try and get the best number you can. Uh, that would be first and foremost. Uh, secondly. I would look for teams that are starting to, whether it be, you want to call it change their identity or um, how they're kind of performing versus what their average performance looks like. So can you get a team undervalued that's starting to trend up? So like Cleveland was a great example of that of the beginning of the year. How long did it take the market to adjust to say, oh, wow, Cleveland has something? Um Memphis was a team for a while, too, that was consistently undervalued because they got off to a poor start. The Wizards were a team that got off to a good start and that were probably overvalued. So try and look for those types of teams. Um, you know, Boston is now at the point where I think they're probably being valued about right. You know, they went from, depending on what book you looked at, they opened at six, six and a half uh, point favorites today against Brooklyn to where they're now already nine. Um, 
are they going to be able to keep up that kind of defensive intensity and, and look for those things? I mean, you can't perfectly handicap every team. It's very, very difficult. Um, but try and find some of those teams that are, are starting to break trend and catch them uh, while they're breaking trend. And, and that's exactly what you should do. That's great advice. I tell people, I wrote this in my books during COVID and my radio show uh, was on hiatus. I wrote two sports betting books, just basic ones, beginners. My friend told me about how so often or reminded me when he moved to, or he lives in Oregon and he, he comes on the show on Mondays and he told me, he goes, you're going to write anything, write a book on how to bet on sports you know, not not so much strategy, but just the basics. Because you'd be surprised how many people don't and just wager. So, and one of the things that I talk about in the book is, is what I call the three-team strategy that I've been using since I was 17 years old, 18 years old. And that means I have focused at, at the beginning of the season, and I think you can do this in the second half as well, is focus on three teams only. And learn as much as you can about each of those three teams and only handicap and wager on those teams' games, either for, against, the total, whatever. And within 30 days' time, you will have probably covered the entire NBA so that you can kind of branch out. And it's always worked for me. And I start this year, I'm going to do this for the second half of the season as well. And stick with those three teams and just learn as much as I can and, and hopefully beat the market a few more times than I did in the first half. Yeah, I think that's great advice, too, because if I mean, if you're trying to understand a 30 team league um, and understand everything you can about every team, it's it's not likely um, unless you were, you know, eat, sleep, drink NBA as an example. Um, another thing to do as you're kind of evaluating, so let's say those three teams, what are the assumptions that you made that went into a bet? And did the game play out that way? You know, did you expect the game to play out fast? Did you expect the game to be played, you know, outside, more outside the arc than it was? Um, were you expecting more rim protection, whatever it happens to be? start writing some of that stuff down. Like if you were making significant assumptions about why you expected something to be different, because these NBA lines are pretty good. So, yeah. uh, you know, you have to have some sort of insight to why you think that you have an edge versus that line and, and just consistently challenge that. And that's and you brought, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go sorry. ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I had a lapse here. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, it's, um, so you mentioned something about some of the things that beginning sports bettors don't know. Um, and, and I don't know that anybody cares enough. Uh, it's not something that I formally announced, but you know, I'm working with a group at sports wagering university to start to create some of those beginner level courses, mm -hmm. you know, low cost things, but to try and understand what, um, what are some of the considerations you should be thinking about? What are some of these things that happen in the marketplace mean, you know, and not assume that everybody knows everything. There is a huge uh, segment of, of beginner betters that don't really have a, um, any kind of a forum or an, uh, what's the right word? Like a, a kind of a catalog, I guess, of, of information to look at, to help, you know, get them past that beginner stage. So you, you make a very, very good point there. And Sports Bet University, that's Boyd Davis. 
No, this is oh. Sports Wagering University. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was. I, I, I'm sorry. Sports Bet is that's the one that I work with. Sports Bet. I said, wait, I never, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry, but and the link to do, do they have a website there? Uh, they do. Um, I have a link in my uh, in my Twitter bio for it uh, for Twitter their Twitter handle, and then that can carry over. They just did a uh, an introductory college basketball class with. Uh, Kia from the Odds Breakers and Kyle Hunter, um, and so far it was pretty well received. Uh, a lot of like good considerations to think about when you're deciding to place a bet. What are some of the early pitfalls? What are some of the um, you know just because there's 60 games doesn't mean you have to bet 60 games. And it kind of went along to your point, and that's what kind of helped remind me of it. Like in college, a lot of people do give that uh, advice of pick a conference or two and just mm-hmm. stick there um, for that reason. Like it's just so much information to try and understand. It's very difficult. That link is sports wagering And if Clive's involved, you should be over there and check it out. Cause it's going to be great stuff. You know what else I, I try to tell beginners? I said, leave those darn. And this is funny because you had put up an article this morning, you tweeted out an article that you liked a lot, and I happened to enjoy it myself. And, and one of the things they were talking about is these odds boosts, and you want to stay away from stuff like that. And I think that the marketing strategy of some of these sports books leads people to lose quicker. Because, like the other day, I'm looking at Caesars, and they say if you take this team, that team, and that team, it's plus 110, for example. And I'm thinking, uh, that's a three-team parlay, and you're probably not going to win that bet. So maybe you should stay away from these odds boosts, at least for a beginner. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think that's where the beginners don't understand what they're getting. It's more like, all right, well, they're telling me this is a good deal. They're telling me this would be, you know, like you gave an example of minus 110. Well, they said it would have been minus 130. Well, minus 110, that's good, right? So let's just do that. And what you really should be doing is when you have those types of, I'm I'm using air quotes, opportunities, um, go look at another book. So if that was happening at, you know, like a, a bar stool, go to FanDuel, go to DraftKings, put together those three teams in a parlay and see if what price that they're really giving out. And sometimes those prices are also off of stale lines. So yes, sometimes there are some good opportunities for boosts, but you kind of have to do a little bit of due diligence and you can't necessarily just take it at face value that you're, you know, you're getting a good deal. And if somebody gives you a minus 110, that would normally be minus 120. I'm generalizing here. Mm-hmm. All they're really doing is taking out the juice and they're making it a plus EV, or I'm sorry, a, uh, a neutral EV bet. So think about that too. Um, try and understand how much value you're really getting, but a beginner is not going to know that. The beginner doesn't know how much difference in in a win percentage you need for a minus one ten to a minus one twenty. They just look at I like this side. I I think they'll win by three and a half or whatever it happens to be. And that's what I tell people on this show all the time, especially beginners. Pay attention to the vig, and you don't <laughs> want to pay any more for a side or a total than minus one ten. That's the most you want to spend because that's already taking money out of your pocket. That's how the books operate. That's how they make money. I'm sorry. That's how legitimate books do it. 
You know, they make <laughs> money off the VIG. And some of these folks, and the limits that we see, my word. But uh, I always tell people, just don't do it. Leave it be. There are so many books out there that if you can't find minus 110 or better, then maybe you should probably leave that game alone because you're over the short term it might be okay. But if you're constantly laying 120 juice, 130 juice, you're going to get hurt in the end. Yeah, you got to have a pretty high win rate to be able to overcome that. And, and a lot of people, let's be honest, they don't. Um, you know, I, I would say only the very advanced of sports bettors that, you know, do their own modeling, look at probability distributions, um, and understand what the value of that extra half a point or a point might be, or, or you know, going through a set of alternate lines. Yes, there is some value out there if you find the right book that maybe is mispricing some of their alts. But as a rule of thumb, if you're selling, I'm sorry, if you're buying a point or selling for that matter, you're, you're no matter what, you're not getting a fair value for that. So stick with the minus one tens and stick with those baselines and just try and get the best price that you can for whatever you know side or total that you like. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, the last thing I say, <laughs> and I'll ask you about this too. I tell folks that when you're first starting out, if you're making more than two wagers per night, you're probably doing it wrong. I know guys like to put out a lot of action, and that's cool, but how long does it take you to handicap a game? Because usually for me, it takes about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the sport. And if you've got nine games out there or 10 games or 12 games, that's a lot of handicapping. I don't know where some of these guys find the time. What do you do? Are you, you're a low volume player too, right? Um, I've kind of transitioned to a little bit more of low volume. So like when I first, first got started, I was truly operating at a full spanky top down, you know, top down approach. Um, a couple months in, I became more of a hybrid better where I would say I had my positions that I liked. Um, there would be times if I didn't know what was happening in the market, I would kind of wait for that market agreement from some of those sharper books. And, you know, then that would give me a little bit of extra, I don't know if confidence is the right word, um, uh, confirmation that I was probably on the right side of things. Uh, and then now I am much more on the side of origi originating in the NBA, whereas I am setting my own lines, um, I accumulate my own data, and that has made the process much easier for me. It used to be like I have an idea that I think the line is supposed to go this way, and here are the reasons why, but I can never really quantify it. And I was doing the work very manually, like you mentioned. Like it would take me you know, half hour to an hour to mm – -hmm. um, to kind of handicap a game and say, all right, well, this is what I think it should go to. If it starts moving in this direction, I'm comfortable enough to bet it. Now it's a little different for me. I've created a, a little bit better of a process for myself where, you know, I pull data into a model. Um, the model is not the end all be all for me, but it kind of gives me a baseline of the key stats that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. And then I can kind of, I'm like, all right, well, this line looks off for me. Let me dig into it a little bit more. What are the, the considerations that might make this a better bet? Or what are the considerations that maybe I'm missing that would make this a bad bet? So, you know, take the Atlanta-Chicago game earlier. The line opened at, I think, 235.5. And, and it actually dropped down, if I'm not mistaken, to 234.5, 235. Um, so I hadn't, 
I hadn't bet the two thirty five and a half at that point, so I was lucky enough to bet it on the the lower side. That's now up to two forty. But if you look at average points scored, two forty probably isn't the right number. But if you think about how the teams are playing in terms of pace, what their defenses look like, and and how I think the game is going to play out, I think two forty one was the right number. Um, that's what I had in my model. So I felt like I had a lot of value there. And that's exactly right. You know, it opened at 230 and a half and it jumped 10 points. The John Collins news, uh, that he wasn't going to be there. They thought he might, that had a lot to do with it, but also, isn't there an injury for the bulls too? Uh, well, Zach Levine is in, but that was announced yesterday that he was going to be playing. Um, yeah, and I did not get that two thirty and a half at you know Fanduel. If I could have, I would have. Um, so yeah, the game kind of went back up and down a little bit, and then from I would say nine a.m. forward, it just went up from two thirty-five to two forty. Uh, yes, I think John Collins is out too. Um, I don't know. If, I hope there's not somebody else I'm missing. Um, but as far as I know, Levine's playing, and, and all the key parts of the Bulls are playing, and the majority of you know the key Atlanta parts are playing too. And you beat the CLV for sure. If you win this bet, you're sitting pretty. Even if you didn't, you still outsmarted the rest of them because that's a five-point swing from what you paid. Yeah, and that's what I like about BetStamp so much too. And I'm not trying – obviously, I want to win – the most money that I can like that's the object of the game I don't need to be the best handicapper I would just like to try and get the best return on my time that I can um, but that's what's great about you know bet stamp it, it tracks that and it, it shows how often you beat a closing line and it also shows where when you made the bet so as I'm looking at my picks you know I have three for the day and I guess that one I made at 908 this morning so the other one I made at 855 that was Denver at Sacramento over 231 and a half uh, I did not see as much of an edge there for me in my numbers, but I did like the game. And then Phoenix, Oklahoma City, I think is going to play a lot differently without Chris Paul in the lineup. You know, he's a big force defensively. Um, and I could see that game going pretty well over. So I got that at 215 and a half. And those are great plays. Those are tremendous plays. I agree with you about. Uh... Phoenix, I think that they're going to be in for a very interesting time. I talked about it on the show here earlier this week. I, I think they're a vastly different team without Chris Paul, at least his leadership. You know, he mm-hmm. likes to keep it slow, and that's a, that's actually a low total for a minus Chris Paul because they're going to want to, those young boys are going to want to run up and down the floor now, and uh, they'll be able to without him on the floor. Yeah, and they'll and- get hurt in the defensive end too. Correct. And Lou Dort's not playing, so he's a, a little bit more of a defensive presence for the, the Thunder. Um, I think this game is going to play faster. So that's the the beauty and the negative, I guess, potentially, of, of betting earlier in the day is, you know, most of these, one, there's not a lot of information of Phoenix performance without Chris Paul this year, because I don't think he's missed any significant time at all. I don't even know if he's missed a game now that I think about it. Um but if they're just going off of what the normal numbers were and what I had today was, I think I, I run two different sets of numbers where I, I run the stats differently. One of them had a total of 214. And these are, this is a team's at normal strength. The other one was 213. So, I mean, take Chris Paul 
off of the floor, I think the pace goes up, like you mentioned, and the defensive ability on one side, meaning the Phoenix side, is going to not disintegrate. That's not the right word. Um, their efficiency is going to decrease. So now it's at 219, I think. 218, 219, depending on where you're looking. Yeah, so, 219, 218 and a half, yep. That's where you have to look past the numbers because you might not have the numbers of what you think or what the lineup is really going to be, and you have to estimate. And that's where betting really can really come in handy. And what they're going to do, they're going to be hitting the under. Chris Paul's yeah. not in. They're not going to score. Yeah, okay. And plus Oklahoma City, they're not so bad against the spread either. Uh, that's a lot of points. I think the point. I think it's now nine. Is it? Oh, it's, it's oh, ten. Ten and a half. Yeah, it's gone back and forth. I think it went to nine and a half at one point this morning, depending on what bucket you you were looking at. Um, but that's the other thing. Um, Oklahoma City is not the strongest defensive team either. Um, so you have to think about when a player's out not just what their offensive impact is, what their defensive impact in, is. And a player that I think about like that is, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler, who's been a key part of the offense this year, but he's also a key part defensively. And if you just say, well, maybe he's worth three or four points on offense, he might be two points on defense. So it's not just that net four. You're looking at a net two point, potentially. I'm making up numbers in this case. Um, you're looking at a two point impact. Whereas there are some people like a Gobert who have a huge defensive impact but don't really affect the offense all that much. You know, think about what that player means on both sides of the ball and what it might mean for the, the pace of the game. Well, exactly. That's exactly right. And understanding the game and knowing it helps too. And you certainly do that well. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you for having me. A lot of fun. Um, you know, if any of your, your listeners have any questions, you know, reach out to me at, at Twitter. You know, Clyde Bixby 41, and that's the same tag for my bet stamp, too. So follow along. Yeah, you should follow him. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him at bet stamp and take advantage of all this knowledge, man. Thank you so much again for being here. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We want to thank Clyde for taking the time out of his very busy day to come over, hang out with us, and, and teach us something. And I sure learned a lot, and I hope that you did, too. Don't forget, PlayUp Sportsbook presents the Phil Nason Show. Head on over, sign up for an account, and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves, be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.